I'd really been uh, praying what we're going to do in some of the coming weeks. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot written recently on the seven deadly sins. And I was really wrestling. Uh, first of all, I don't even know what they all are. I didn't until I, I read them. And it, you know, I've studied a fair amount of theology. But I went into the shop right and I saw a poster there. And I told the worship committee I was thinking on doing it. So this will be the first time for me, but we're going to enter into a time of seven weeks beginning February 17th where we look at those things from the Roman Catholic tradition, the seven deadly sins, and it's going to be titled Vice or Virtue. And uh, wow, you know, I'm preparing for this, and one of them is woe be to the glutton. Hello. Yeah. I'd be different if, if your pastor was shaped like a beanpole. I'd get through it, you know, but I quick had to go on a diet. I've been on a diet for a month. And then Deb Mongiardo said, you're kind of hangry, aren't you? <laughs> I resemble that. Uh, I sure am. But, you know, I, things got a little better for me this last week. You know why? Jesse James, my hunting dog. I took him out on his maiden voyage. And he got five rooster pheasants. He's not even five months old. Isn't that good? You think? Uh, unless, uh, if you're, you're an anti, that's not good. But I, I, uh, in that case, I'll be reading a letter after this week is over. But God bless you. I love all of you anyway. And I had to say that because our beloved Eagles are going to be watching today. And, uh, but those two teams today, Super Bowl, right? Some of our people are having... Super Bowl parties. I think this is a Super Sunday for Super Bowl. And I just looked over here and I forgot because there sits old Jake Knoll. His hockey team, Clearview, they're in the playoffs for the state. This, this, this week they start, right? Wow. It's too much of a pun up here to say stick it to them, isn't it? Huh? Anyway, I'm going to come and be a, I'll be in there shouting for Noel in one of those games. It's exciting to be walking in the Lord. Fantastic retreat last week, but here we are in a gateway. This will really get you. I want to go over a grammar lesson to start, right? No, I'm not having you bow your heads because half of you will never get your head back up after this one. This is a snoozer. My wife always says to me anyway, hon, I'm having trouble sleeping. Can you start that sermon again? And uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's perfect. They, they, they don't call me the minister of melatonin for nothing, you know. And, uh, uh, but this morning, I want to talk about grammar for just a minute. Grade school Grammar. What is the greatest command? Let me hear it from the audience. Jesus said, this is the greatest command that you what? All right, love God with? Mm -hmm, that one sounded, sounded like I was at the Tower of Babel there or something like that, you know. We almost got all of it. But the big one, I mean, you got to love. Now, those two words, to love, that's an infinitive in, in any language, really. But in the English language, certainly if you were in grammar school, to love is an infinitive, which means 
that love is an action verb. In the context where Jesus said it's our greatest commandment, love is an action verb. It's not passive. And the verb requires a direct object. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Hello out there. You can, yeah. Honey, are you awake wherever you are? Yeah. Love is a verb. What happens when we're not active? And who do we love? Who's the object of your love? Well, God. That's, that's the great command, to love the Lord. But Jesus said, and a second is likened unto the first. And so we do what? We love whom? What's that? Yeah, we love our neighbors. Who are our neighbors? Yeah, that, that one translation is even the expletive, expletive Samaritans. We love them. Jesus told a story. He wanted to make sure that your activity as a Christian is centered in the one great command. Get on it, you know. They sang it last night at the daddy-daughter dance. Jump on it. Jump, never mind, you know. <laughs> I want you to know I was going to do that dance down the center aisle, but you can't handle the dance. That's all I <laughs> Jump on it. Jump on it. Get it with it. The activity. Jesus said, I got something for you to do. Love me and love one another. And guess who the one another is? Every so-and-so out there in the whole world. And the so-and-so can be good. Sometimes you say the so-and-so is not so good. Jesus said, love them. Not an easy thing. And so it takes God shedding his love abroad in our heart. Now, that's point one of the sermon this morning. Love is a verb that demands a direct object. It is an action word in the greatest command of Jesus Christ. Just a simple premise. The second thing is mind-blowing. Jesus makes you and me the direct object of his love. The most perfect love that the world has ever known has you at its center, its direct object. You, uh, you come this morning to communion and will say, Jesus says, this bread is my body given for you. Direct object. No one else. You can't put your name like any other name because as individuals, your name sits as the direct object of the greatest love the universe has ever known today for you. The bread. Hey, do you think that it matters to Jesus? If the promise I read in Scripture is the saying is sure, it's worthy of full acceptance, Christ Jesus died to save 
sinners. Mind-blowing. The activity of God for you. Jesus said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for you. The eagles might have lost out, but you're in exactly the right place this morning because the love, which is the greatest love in all of the universe, in the word sacramentum, which means a holy mystery, that love that comes in a holy mystery that is the greatest the world has ever known is for you. It's not against you. It's for you. The God who has started it all and will finish it all and is above all, and guess what? Paul said in Ephesians, is in you all, that God is active. He loves you. You know, if I could take you to uh, theological school, and Deb Bongiardo, she, she cracks me up about this one. You know why? One of Deb's movements that she's in in church planting and things is called the unseminary movement. <laughs> Where does that leave me? But anyway, you know, I think that, that term cracks me up a little bit. Do I say to teachers, oh, I want you to go teach school. Only thing is, I want you to be part of the uneducated movement. How about if you got to have a surgery on your head, got a tumor, but you're looking up a doctor that's in the unmedical world, the unsurgical world. How about if you're a musician and it's in the unmusical world? How do you do that? So I laugh a little bit as Deb reminds me she's in the unseminary movement. But if I could just persuade the 945 service to come with me for one day to seminary. <laughs> I didn't hear an amen. There might not have been an amen in the whole county when I said that. But if I could persuade you, by any chance if I could persuade you, I would take you to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, greater love has no man than this, because it's speaking of the Son of Man that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now translated, I'd like to put it this way. Greater love has no man or woman or girl or boy than this, than he or she lay down his or her life for his or her friends. Jesus knew that love was an action. And he laid himself down. In the first service, we sang on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. On an old rugged cross, Jesus gave himself. And you are the direct object. Now, you know what that's called in theological seminary? When I teach people the doctrine of the salvation of Jesus Christ, you know what it's called? It's mind-blowing. Jesus going to the cross for you is called his passion. The doctrine in theological seminary. It's called the passion of Christ. Wow. That's mind-blowing. Love demands an object and you're it. 
and the passion of God is all about Him giving Himself for you. And guess what? In the sacrament, to you, and then as a result of the sacrament, in you. What a mystery that today, the best there is, the winner of all that can be won is for you. And do you know what he asks? That as a result of God's love for you, you go and love the world. That's important. Now coming up on Valentine's Day, just let me give you a little reminder, man. Make sure you go to the flower store, right? Because if you don't, there's no other time in the, in the calendar, hardly. I mean, the florist will go belly up, you know. You got to go this week. And if you don't, well, pastors have counseling sessions for that. <laughs> if you don't. You might miss a year, but you, you, you really don't want to. <laughs> I don't recommend that you go there, right? You have a sweetheart. The sweetheart is the object of your love. You give your love to your sweetheart. Dads, congratulations. All kudos last night. Man, you don't know what it did for me to be a part of a church where that many dads come out to love on their daughters and have a daddy-daughter time. I mean to tell you, that might have just been some uh, put-together thing. Yeah, it's a program, but it didn't feel just like a program. I left last night feeling good in my heart. I went back and I got on my cell phone and, and I texted the two Smith daughters. One of them 29, the other one 27. And I said, I missed the chance of dancing with you, my sweetheart, tonight at my church. But you nonetheless are still my sweetheart. You know, Jesus, as he gives himself to you, says, you're his bride. You're his sweetheart. And instead of roses, you hear these words. This cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Your sins he removes as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. Aren't you tired of lugging your guilt and your sin around? Oh, then come and drink a cup. You're the object of his love. You're the darling of his creation, the sweetheart called the, the bride of Christ. And you know something? He doesn't miss his moment. And so, men, my, the rest of my, my little time is don't you miss your moment either. There's something intrinsically right about taking time to say, honey, I love you. That's why today is the gateway to spring. Doesn't matter whether it's six weeks of spring or six weeks of winter. It's still a gateway named love. And the end result is it's done for you. The passion of God. 
It's yours today. I close the sermon with this, uh, this graphic example. There was a son who had a rare type blood disease. And, but the thing is, it was a type of blood disease that the body could heal if he didn't have an immune deficiency. And, uh, but that, that seemed to be something that was the problem. His autoimmune deficiency was up and it needed to be down. He had kind of a rare blood type. It wasn't just your everyday thing go to the blood bank. And so the father had exactly the blood type of the son. And he had an idea that the medical team hadn't yet thought of. He said, is there any way you can hook us up? Pump a little of his into me because I have an immune deficiency. And could you pump a little bit of mine into him because I have an immune deficiency? And the team of specialists talked it together and they said, yes, I, I, you know, I believe it can be done. And they tried it. One of the leading hospitals in the world. And lo and behold, because of the blood of the Father, <laughs> the Son was healed. Sisters and brothers, good news today. It's Holy Communion Sunday. And by the blood of that great shepherd of the sheep, he offers you healing. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we proclaim and believe this. And then there's one thing to do as we leave. Pass on the passion.